Lagarde and Hudgens take over Bedley Brothers podcast. Frightened, frustrated, disheartened by the number or just the sheer amount of false information. Today, we're talking fact or fiction. And now, it's time for another edulicious episode of the Bedley Brothers Podcast, bringing you what's current and what works in education. Here are your hosts, Scott and Tim Bedley. Bedley Brothers, Bedley, Bedley Brothers, bringing education information like no other. Bedley Brothers, Bedley, Bedley Brothers, bringing education information like no other. First name Bedley, last name Brothers, bringing education information like no other. Scott, you're a... You've had a little background in this subject, haven't you? You did a TED Talk on on uh, finding fake news. I did in Bratislava. <laughs> Where is that? That's the capital city of Slovakia, Tim. Oh, of course. How could I not know that? So speaking of capital cities of Slovakia, what about Global School Play Day? Hey, Tim, 72 nations had classrooms participating in last year's Global School Play Day. Over half a million kids in just the fifth year. I mean, you do the math, Tim. It's like five of us tweeting about this. This is not an us thing. This is a true grassroots movement of people and educators that believe the importance of unstructured play. And we need to hit a million this year, Tim Bedley. I sure hope so. We've got uh, only a couple months left to go before this year's Global School Play Day. So we need some help getting word out, letting people know that kids are not spending time in unstructured play. And as a result, we have an increase in all kinds of childhood issues that carry on over into adulthood, like? Oh, my gosh. All kinds of um, things. And I I just keep thinking back to our guests today because one of these guests actually helped Global School Play Day happen. He connected us with Dr. Peter Gray, who inspired us through his TED Talk. We missed a conference that one of our guests put on and. Uh, he really deserves a lot of credit for this happening and the inspiration behind it. So we'll talk, we'll talk to him next when you introduce him. But Global School Play Day, go to globalschoolplayday.com. We know kids need to learn how to social, emotionally adjust to different circumstances, how to self-regulate, how to um, compromise and create and imagine. And all these things come through play. So but let's get into today's topic, Tim. And one of my favorite things before we do is that they learned how to get unbored. I mean, when Absolutely. we were kids, how often did we say that we were bored and then mom would say, well, then go clean a toilet or something like that. And it's like, oh, okay, <laughs> I'm going to go play. I'm, I'm, I'm going out to play, mom, you know? And then it's like yeah. we figured out something to do, but now it's just like grab a device, you know, or whatever, and then you're not bored instead of having to create on your own. So we really want kids to do that and get out and, and play and uh, just have that unstructured time. And on today's show with us, we have two very special guests. Uh, we have, first of all, Darren Hudgens. He is the CEO of Think, Do, Thrive. He is helping educators and leaders build human capacity. He runs events. He does workshops. He's a keynote speaker. And he is the co-author of a book uh, with our other guest, Jennifer Lagarde. She is uh, infamous as the library girl. She is a media specialist icon. Uh, she loves helping teachers with teaching literacy. She's been a classroom teacher, and she's just an all-around awesome person, right, Jennifer? Oh yeah. <laughs> and she's she's good at that. She's good at playing uh, games too. I had a great opportunity to play games with these two, and oh boy, was I awful! And oh boy, were they good. 
<laughs> well, tell us what the game was. In the room. I think you were the best one in the room. Oh, that was fabulous. What was the game? Oh, uh, uh, that's not important, Tim. Let's, <laughs> let's get to the rest of it. Okay, okay. Mm. We'll leave that for another show. So, Darren, you uh, connected us with Peter Gray. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited. I, you guys have just blown this up. I, I think it's fantastic. Um, I have always been fascinated with play. Um, actually, prior to Peter Gray, I had Stuart Brown, Dr. Brown come. Um, and so what I was trying to do, at least in, in the events that Scott referred to, you know, many, many moons ago, is trying, like with anything, to find balance. Um, that would have been early to mid web 2.0 and one-to-one and iPads everywhere and all those kinds of things. And so, uh, we were just trying to get people to understand that there has to be a balance between the two. Um, you know, I could make all these cases today. We spend all this time on social media and we're not critically thinking. We're not, uh, able to find as much empathy. I think we do in play, you, you get to tackle all those and you guys brought up a bunch of it. So um, I by no means want to steal any of your thunder, but I, I do appreciate you saying something because it means tons to me. Um, and we, we just, all of us, including adults need to play more. Uh, I just think we'd be a better society for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a team effort all the way around. So you two have written a book called fact versus fiction, teaching critical thinking skills in the age of fake news. Jennifer, where'd that idea come from? Um, It came from going to a session of a similar title in North Carolina (laughs) years and years ago. The North Carolina Technology and Education Conference, I don't know, gets like four or 5,000 people every year. And I went to this session. I was one of nine people who went to this session led by Darren Hudgens. And I walked in real cocky thinking I knew everything there was to know about this topic and left thinking, oh my gosh, I know nothing about this work. And a few months later, we got the call from ISTE about a book and I reached out to Darren and said, hey, you probably don't remember me, but let's do this together. Oh, oh that's my what God, happened. that is, talk about fact versus fiction, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> what part of that was not true? The part that A, they contacted you because you are an awesome media specialist librarian. And number two, you came and said, hey, let's do this together. And it wasn't like I didn't know who you were. Oh, my goodness. You might not remember me, even though I'm infamous. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) But then that all happened on a U-Haul truck. I was moving from North Carolina to Washington the email came from ISTE, do you want to write a book? And my answer was, no, thank you, unless I can do it with this guy. And I emailed Darren right from the truck, and that's how it was born. This is how stuff happens to me, you two. Like, you know, you, when, you, when you run events or you get to do things, you hope you have a, an impact larger than yourself. You know, the, the old pay it forward, yeah. those kinds of things. And, like, this is a perfect example of both of them. Um, I just wanted to help some people and you guys have scaled global play day. And then Jennifer and her, uh, legend was able to scale, uh, some other work that I was really passionate about and together as teams. I mean, we all work together. It just, things get better. So plus I think an important part of this story, our story is the context. This was 2016, you know, we, the presidential election had just, taken place. And regardless of your views on that, we both as people who are connected with lots of educators online 
were just really frightened, frustrated, disheartened by the number or just the sheer amount of false information we were being seen. We were seeing being shared by educators, you know, that are supposed to know a little bit better. And so, you know, like it, it becomes, you're inundated with this every day. It's easy to become hope, feel hopeless. This was something we could do. We could do something yeah. about it through this work. And, and for me, that's been the most rewarding part of it. And yeah. I hadn't thought of this um, until now, which is funny because we've talked about this before, but you know, a lot of social media and a lot of what's going on here is a lot of tribalism and things that are going out. And Jennifer has been a conduit to a tribe that this has been kind of expected to be one of their specialties and those kinds of things, but it's, it's kind of a new age. And then I was from the, you know, so, former soul studies background. And I was looking like, well, we're minimizing social studies and this is where you're supposed to get taught a lot of these things. And so there was a natural, I think, connection between us of like, these are, this is speaking to both of our kind of passion areas. And there's a lot of, um, uh, I don't know, connections between the two. So it was, a, it was an easy, uh, what passion project for us. Is that a better way yeah. to say that? Yeah. So you two, I, I hear that, uh, you know, 72% of the statistics quoted out there on the internet are inaccurate, including that one. <laughs> that, <laughs> I've heard that attributed to Abe Lincoln, so, uh, right? Yeah. Uh, okay, so, oh, so we're in a classroom. Take us through, what are, what are, what's our goal? What are we, what are, what are some first steps? What, how do we, you know, how do I teach kids let alone their parents and teachers to critically think through the process of, is this true? Um, talk to us about well, I, that. Well, I tell you what, it kind of relates to your global play day because one of the things that we have been uh, stressing when we go out and work with educators is the idea that all information now, because we live in an age where we refuse to pay for information, all information is, um, for, uh, formatted in a way that it's designed to trigger us. All information now is designed to trigger an emotional response because those emotional responses get us to retweet, to share, to like, to do all of the things that generate money. Since we won't pay for it anymore, then they have to make money other ways. And so when I work with teachers, and Darren, you jump in here too, when we work with educators, one of the first steps in this process, we think, is helping kids understand the language that's used and that is designed to trigger us and then helping teachers help kids develop strategies for pressing pause when you are triggered. Oh my gosh, this headline makes me feel outraged. It makes me feel afraid. It makes me feel an extreme emotion in any type of way. So now how do we press pause and what kind of skills can we help kids um, develop, you know, to in that pausing moment so that they can manage their emotional triggers and then look at the information more critically because none of these protocols that we have, you know, the crap test, the fart test, the other excrement laden tests, all of those <laughs> things, none of them work until we can manage our emotions around it. And so that's really the starting place for us is this, the connection between social emotional learning and information literacy, which we think is left out of schools. So you're talking about the language that, that's used in order to, to capture all of that, to trigger that in us so that we will like and we will share. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking that we're going to name our podcast today like uh, Lagarde and Hudgens own the Bedley Brothers. Yes. The title for this show? 
Yes, that's right. Top, top 10 reasons not, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> see, uh, see, and I would change it to something like Lagarde and Hudgens take over Bedley Brothers podcast, shocking news, click here. Yes, right. And people will be so outraged by that or really, really excited, one or the other, that they will just share that without yeah. thinking. You know, that's what happens is this information is designed to trigger us so that all of our, um, you know, skills that we have in terms of determining credibility fly out the window because we're instead guided by our lizard brains. And I, and I think that's the most important part is the emotion. But I think there's a second part when you're talking about the kids, because they don't, you know, their world is what we essentially either parent them to TV tells them to do or teachers tell them, you know, like they're looking for guidance from adults. And one of the things, again, back to your play thing, is getting them to be curious skeptics and creatures. And you can do it in a bunch of different ways. I mean, Obviously, as you get older, uh, there's a little bit more thick skin because they've, you know, built some context. But, you know, younger ages, like I've spent a lot of time talking to kids about like just what's it feel like out in recess? Again, I'm triggering play there, hopefully. Um, out at recess when somebody tells something that isn't true about you. Well, what does that feel like? Uh, how do you deal with it? What do you do? How do you uh, prevent them from, from doing that? Um, it then also triggers that emotion because you feel poor. So there's like the, the two sides of it is getting to be curious about why is that person giving them information? Why are they trying to sell something? Um, and then how do we, you know, kind of help them process that? And I know depending on what level they're teaching, uh, you know, you, you, you have different levels of understanding. Yeah. Processing intent. And Jennifer, you said something that I made a connection to another one of my, favorite books. It's uh, Thank You for Being Late. I don't know if you've read that book, but it's just fantastic because he talks, um, Friedman talks about pushing the pause button and on a device that stops it. But for us as people, when we could pause, it gives us time to reflect and really think through things, which I, I think I hear you saying as part of this is getting kids to just take a pause and really think about the intent behind what's happening here, not just emotionally reacting right away. Exactly, because even if, if we can teach kids to be detectives and to be curious, like Darren said, so that they recognize not only when something actually triggers them, but just recognize when it's designed to trigger them, even if it didn't work, even if for them that's not a trigger, they can see the kind of language in that that's designed to pull those triggers. And then for them to have, you know, sort of a toolbox full of strategies for pressing pause, whether that you know, is as simple as just taking a few deep breaths and putting your device down for a couple of minutes, or it's, you know, a little more complex and maybe involves some sketch noting or, you know, watching a kitten video on YouTube or whatever is just going to help them manage the emotions so that that way then they can come back. And I like the way you put it, Scott, ask some critical questions. Who benefits if I'm triggered? What are they hoping I'm going to do? And is this information really worthy of those steps? Or is this just sensationalism? You know, am I being manipulated? Now, what's the goal? What are we trying to achieve in, in teaching the kids this critical thinking? Do we want uh, a new generation of people that don't hit share on false information? Uh, what, where are we trying to end up with this? 
I, I think there's a bunch of things. Um, one, my fear going in was just uh, as a democracy, as a republic, however you want to look at it, informed decision making. Um, we talked a lot about in the book, it's, it's you know, I mean, the easy low hanging fruit is political or business model. But there's also other areas like, for example, the healthcare industry. I mean, if, if you're following information based on an agenda that is not based on fact, and it's impacting you or your family, like, I can't speak to the rest of the country. I've been doing a lot of studying, but I know, you know, we've, we've had huge outbreaks of measles um, in both the kind of greater Pacific Northwest area. And that is, I mean, we eradicated that. I mean, it was gone. And based on all kinds of different information, uh, that, that stuff has crawled back. And again, <clears throat> we'll get into this uh, hot button issue and people were like, well, you know, it's affecting this and it's creating all those. A again, how did, it, how did it change? What changed it? Um, who do you respect in that? And then the, the other part I will say, and I don't know about you two. Are you, Tim, are you older or younger brother? He, clearly, he's older. I, I couldn't hear him. <laughs> I was waiting. Now. Clearly, he's yeah. older. No, I'm way younger than Scott. Oh, I'm gosh. Way no. I thought y'all were twins. No. Yeah, we're twins. No, I'm way older than Scott is. Okay. So, Scott, was he, was he the nice older brother, or would he antagonize you? No, you know, for the most part, he was nice until he threw me across the room when we were wrestling. But other okay. than that, he was a good guide. He okay. played catch with me. Hey, you might want to Google that because fact versus fiction. Yeah. So, so if he sends He you, weighed like 98 pounds when yeah. I was in high school. Scott was, weighed more than I did, even though he's six and a half years younger. Are you saying? Okay. What are you okay. saying, Sam? So when well, he, it didn't take much. When you were younger, did if he would have sent you something or told you something, would you, uh, would you have believed it unequivocally? Like, yes, he's pretty much. Yeah. Or did he ever send you on some wild goose chases for fun and those kinds of things? No, he was, he was kind of the, he was like a guide. He was the uh, okay. guy leading me in the right direction. I'd uh, like to think I had buddies that did that. Though. Okay. But so I would like to think that I was that kind of older brother too, but I know my little brother, I would do some things to him because he was a, a piece of work. And <laughs> what I'm getting at back to Tim's question is that I trust this group to send me information. And if you send me something, I'm going to be like, well, I trust them. Mm -hmm. I believe what they're going to send me and I'm going to use that. But if you three just see the headline or you see something that plays into what you believe in and what you like and you don't really read the article and you don't mm -hmm. really do research about it and you just send it along i'm apt to then get it and then i'm like well they, they must have edited it it's great now i send it on mm -hmm. and this is how those things spread and so what we'd like to do is have kids be you know that investigator that all, all that stuff that jennifer talked about so the we're not spreading thing. I mean, it's, sometimes it's intentional, but then we don't want to spread stuff when it's it's. We didn't even know it was fake, but yet we're adding to the problem. That's the short version, I guess. And what you're, it's. I just dawned on me that what we're really talking about today, on most days, we're talking about how to educate kids, which you are, you know, critical thinking. Sure. But we're also talking about how to get kids to not educate each other on things that are wrong. You know, to stop the flow of information. 
to, to, to be more picky about what, what you're, you're uh, passing on to other people. Yeah, we just, you know, we want learners of all ages, big and small, because we know that adults are not much better at it than children are, to have the tools so that whatever they believe, whatever actions they take as a result of information, that they're based on truth. You know, we think facts matter. You know, we think the truth matters. And we just want, we want folks to have the strategies and skills to be able to do that. And also to feel uh, empowered to do it because I find most people give up after a certain amount of time because it feels overwhelming like there's nothing they can do about it. I think there, there are things that teachers, that kids can do. We want to help provide them with some of those action steps. Okay, so this brings like all. I love this discussion and I love this topic, um, and on a lot of different levels. I have a good friend who's a high school teacher uh, at a local high school here, and he talks about how his high schoolers, good or bad, they want that social credit. If it's sharing good or bad, they just that's almost adds their value. So to me, I I need to step back and say, where are kids getting their value from? so that they want to pass on and keep that credibility viable. And that, that becomes the highest value is like, I know that when I hear something from Darren, it's going to be pretty good. It doesn't mean I'm not going to be critical about it, but it's going to be pretty good. And so how do we shift kind of that mindset from good, bad, ugly, pretty, whatever it is, I want that social credit online to that credibility has that higher value. Well, uh, you know, it's interesting you mentioned that because I, I was thinking about this the other day, how when I was a classroom teacher, all of my students wanted to be professional athletes. You know, they all thought they were going to go and play for the NBA. Now, when I talk to kids, they all want to be YouTubers or Instagram influencers. And I think that that's an opportunity for us, frankly, um, as educators who care about information credibility, because if they're creators and they want to be creators, there's a really great conversation to have about the difference between information that is designed to inform and the information that's designed to influence and what choices you make as a creator to be an influencer. And so if we can say, you know, just exactly as you said, number one, help them be thinking about those choices that they make as creators, but then also help them see that as being credible, they actually gain more social capital, you know, that they actually have, it's like more of a long game, like they can be in it for the long term, the more credible they are, as opposed to instant gratification, which, you know, I mean, as that's something that also is part of maturing, but we can have those conversations with kids early on about that. And we can harness their desire to all be out there creating. I mean, shoot, they are creating. They, they want to do it on a professional level, but they're already adding to the information stream right now. So why not harness that as a way to help them understand about credibility? And once again, yeah. we, come, we come back to character, don't we? Because without Certainly. the kids, you know, the kids having the right character, they, don't, they can't uh, delay gratification. They have to have the instant gratification. Uh, they got to get those likes. They've, mm -hmm. you know, and it's it is so much is just built on that foundation of good character in our kids. And it goes back to Jennifer's earlier statement about playing to the lizard brain, which they get the little hits of dopamine and they get the hits of like, oh, I'm good, I'm special. In a time where, you know, if you're talking back to Scott's comment about high school, I mean, they're developing who they are in front of lobe and all that, and then they're really addiction creatures. Um, 
one of the strategies that I've seen most recently, and I can only speak to this locally, and I do not work for them, but there's a group called Discovery in Action that put out uh, kind of a framework called Above the Line and Below the Line. I don't know if you guys are familiar with it, but it's a really, um, it's a really easy kind of almost black and white strategy of how to teach kids what kind of behaviors are you doing? Are you doing an above the line behavior or are you a below the line behavior? And then they have this strategy of like, who's the trampoline? Who are people that are balancing people into what we would call above the line behaviors? And what the reason that they're doing is they're not only we're focusing on, they had some cultural um, divisions in the school, but then they're also this online piece. And then what are you spreading? What are you doing? Uh, you know, most kids that have mobile phones are getting their news from Snapchat and Facebook and Twitter or, you know, I don't even know, TikTok probably now. And it's important. Not all adults are in there to see it and understand what's going on. So um, by teaching some of those strategies and making it intentional in their culture, I think it, uh, it can only help us all. I want to just add something and say that this concern about character and behaviors that bump you above the line or any other metaphor that you want to use it is something we've always been concerned about when it yeah. comes to kids and teenagers. Technology has just scaled the kind of behaviors that we're worried about. You know, that's it. But the, the behavior and character that we are concerned about with kids has always been there. I think we have, and I'm using we universally here, but in school we've been able to um, neglect it for more quote unquote academic concerns because the technology because it's been isolated in ways that felt more controllable. But now with technology, that kind of stuff is scaled like everything else. I think we have to be a lot more intentional about bringing that kind of conversation and discussion and um, strategies and skill building back into what we do uh, throughout education from the earliest age. It's not on the test, Jennifer. I know. When I, when I get my magic wand, that's the first thing I'm fixing. Well, <laughs> second or third. Uh, it's, I'll wait for my wand. Well, we're going to switch gears with you guys right now. We can talk about this all day. But Jennifer and Darren, you're the authors of Fact versus Fiction, Teaching Critical Thinking Skills in the Age of Fake News. So we're going to ask you to take on the fake news of 2019 right now. And we're going to play a little game with you that we're calling Fact versus Fiction, Testing Jennifer and Darren in the Age of Fake News. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Today, we're going to share with you five news stories from 2019, and you'll have to correctly identify the stories as either real or fake. Scott, tell our audience who Jennifer and Darren will be competing for today. Jennifer and Darren, you're going to be competing for Kate Murphy, a middle school teacher in Winton, California. If you're able to correctly label three out of the five news stories, Kate will be awarded a free copy of, wait, is this true? A free copy of Jennifer and Darren's book, Fact versus Fiction. What? I know. I'm jealous. So oh here we go, Jennifer and Darren, here we go with your first news story. Scott, why don't you tell them the news first story here? A 79-year-old man was arrested for making wigs out of dozens of neighborhood dogs. Talk about it with each other. Is this real or is it fake? Yikes. I want so much for this not to be real, Darren. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Well. 
I feel triggered. Do I am I able to press pause? For yeah, minute? I think they knew we had dogs. <laughs> um, how can you re, can you repeat how many? What was the number? There's dozens number. of neighborhood dogs. Dozens. Oh yeah, dozens. I don't know, Jennifer. What do you think? I it, this is going against everything we just talked about. We can't do any research. We can't <laughs> pause. We can't. Example of what you should not do, folks. Yes. Yeah. Apologize in advance. Yeah, <laughs> and they are emotional triggers. I, what do you? What do? You, what do you say? Thumbs up or thumbs down? I don't know. I, I'm going for truth. It, okay. All right. It's gotta be real. I'll, the world is. We're a team. I'll go with you. Well, guess what? It's fake. Oh. This, this story came from a well-known fake news website that labels itself as satire. Lead stories reports. And oh, you mean satire can be fake news? Interesting. <laughs> so, number two, the Washington Post is being sued for $250 million by the Covington Catholic student who went viral. Uh, that is true. Yeah. Unless I don't have the right figure, unless you all have Yeah, unless you've changed the number, I agree with that um, too. The, the, it is a true thing. No, no, it's true. You're right. The student is accusing the Washington Post of falsely describing him as a racist and as an instigator on the confrontation with a Native American man in Washington, D.C. That's right. Uh, the judge in the case recently reinstated part of a, of a lawsuit, which he had disallowed back in July. So it's back mm. on again. Hey, so we're one for one, right? We've got, yeah. we've got a 50 got, you got a, You're doing not too bad. Scott, number three. A man in a gorilla suit broke into a home and hid under the bed before being arrested. Oh, there was one like that the other day, too. I, uh, I'm going to say false on that one. Or, or, no, or was that the one that was true? The problem is, well, I'm, I can't say what I really want to say, so go ahead. Uh, whatever you say, Darren, I'm going to go with you. Oh, no. There, there was one like this, but I can't Just remember if it was a gorilla suit or not. Tell us what you want, what you really, really want. Yeah. Give us a visual clue that your listeners can't see you do. Help us. <laughs> no, not on this one. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna let you suffer. <laughs> I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say it's, it's, it's true. What do you think, Jennifer? Well, it is true. Good job. Oh. Police in Louisiana arrested the man after receiving calls about a suspicious person walking across people's lawns, AP reports. Now, number four for you here. Sweden will give a salary to grandmothers who take care of their grandchildren from Monday to Friday. We'll give what? What was it again? Sweden They're gonna will give... give a salary. They're gonna pay oh, them. Oh, salary. Paying grandmothers to take care of their grandchildren. What do you think, Jennifer? I mean, based on their social structure i would say that sounds uh that seems like it's, it's certainly like possible. a scandinavian thing to do it seems possible for sure kate i know this is it if we get this question right then you win the big prize so we feel a lot of pressure yes um but let's let's live in a world where where that's true let's pretend for a minute we're going to live in a world where grandma gets a salary oh man well guess what it's fake. Oh. There is no such, there is no such project yet. But once <laughs> those Scandinavian <laughs> countries hear this podcast, we're big in Sweden. This may be happening. See, they played right. to our triggers again. We have one more chance, right, to win for Kate. Is that correct? That is correct. All right. So, 
Uh, yeah, in addition, the hoax quotes an official whose position does not even exist in the organizational chart of the Swedish government. So they really did that one up well. All right, Scott, the last question. So two of three American children in a national test of fourth and eighth graders did not meet the standards for reading proficiency according to a rigorous national assessment released October 30th. Again, that's two of three. I know for sure that the scores on that assessment, because I did look at the results, that they didn't meet, but I don't know if it was two thirds, if it was that large of a number. Darren, do you know? Uh, I don't. So I'm back down to knowing that the basis of the story is true, I know, which was like our last one, right? <laughs> it sounded like Scandinavia, however. Let's, let's go for it. I, with no hot help from Scott whatsoever, I'm going to say, yes, that was true. Well, that's correct. Yes, it's real. The average, the average eighth grade reading score declined. Uh, here we are cheering for reading scores going yeah. down. No, uh, the average eighth grade reading score declined in more than half of the states compared with 2017, the last time the test was given. Do you have any conclusions of why they think that was? Or They were so high before. There was nowhere they could go but down. Uh, no, I'm just I, I, don't I think know. it's a lack of play. Uh, there you go. There you go. Defunding public education mm. and removing media and library positions all across yeah. the country as though that would have, it's almost as if that's having an effect on reading. That's weird, yeah, huh? Yeah, it's so bizarre. <laughs> so, Scott, how did Darren and Jennifer do on today's little uh, ridiculous quiz? Good job, Jennifer and Darren. You got... Three out of the five correct, so that's good enough to be a winner. Woo! Congratulations, you won absolutely nothing. But Kate, out here in Cali, she just won a free copy of your amazing book, Fact versus Fiction: Teaching Critical Thinking Skills in the Age of Fake News. Okay. I love it. Well, awesome. uh, give us some quick Twitter handles. We have less than a minute. Leave this <laughs> At Jennifer Lagarde. At D Hudgens, H U D G I N S. You know what I'm saying. Great. Thank you so much for joining us today, and thanks for everybody for listening to the show. Uh, please come back and uh, check out the next show that we uh, put out. And uh, thanks for listening. Most of all, though. Oh yeah, thank you, mom and dad. Thank mom and dad. You. Thanks, Scott. Yeah. Show so good, you should be selling it. I'm using this for my professional development. Try to think about the best show you had. I kind of liked it when you brought on your dad. National Teacher of the Year. That was cool. Bedley Brothers. 2013. 2000 every team. Getting her done. Big Ron here. Getting her done. Think I might change my name to Ron Bedley. So I could be one of those Bedley Brothers. Bedley, Bedley Brothers, printed education information like no other. Bedley Brothers, Bedley, Bedley Brothers. Bring